What up, party people? It's your host, Lanston Schmidt, coming to you live with episode seven of the What's Your Story podcast. Thank you all for tuning in and for listening today and for the support. It means a lot as we continue just to grow and expand this podcast. And we got a good one for you today, seventh episode. Today, I had the honor and privilege of interviewing Morgan Hill. And the title of this episode is From Brokenness to a Business Owner, A Story of Restoration. You're going to hear all about Morgan's story. It is a good one. This is a deep podcast, an incredible podcast. We cover a lot of topics, including what restoration means, what brokenness means, how Morgan became a business owner now as well. You'll hear a little bit about her business, what she's doing, the just transformation that's happened in her life, and just dive deep and get into it. This is a fun one. This is exciting. And I'm so glad you guys are tuning in and listening today. If you do enjoy this podcast, please like us on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your podcasts. Give us a follow on our Instagram page. It's at What's Your Story 2022. But without further ado, this is the story of Morgan Hill. All right, welcome everyone. Best hour of your life. We are back again. This is What's Your Story. I am your host, Lanston Schmidt, coming to you live again, episode seven. And today I'm sitting across from Morgan Hill. Um, And Morgan, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Happy you're coming on. I'm really excited about this one. I know you got a great story to tell and to share with the audience. Um, I'm really pumped you're coming on and honored and blessed. Um, So welcome and love to just kick it off. um, Tell the audience, tell myself, who is Morgan Hill? Morgan Hill. So I um, actually have on my bio on my website, I'll talk about that more later, but I'm a wife, an athlete, um, and a wannabe surfer also cacti lover. So those are like the four words that I've kind of keyed to describe myself. Um, First wife, I've been married for about two years, athlete, been an athlete my whole life, played five years of division one ball. We'll learn more about that in a little bit, I'm sure. Want to be surfer. I always wished I grew up on the coast. Unfortunately, my parents chose Georgia um, and not the coastal side, but I've always wanted to learn how to surf love the vibe of it just never have and then cacti lover i'm obsessed with cacti don't know why just they're my favorite plant i think it is amazing how they thrive in the desert and i am i've just i've been obsessed my whole life that's amazing the first cacti lover uh proclaimed on the podcast so that's oh yeah i am she i'm sure we'll we'll unpack and uh, lots to unpack there and it's kind of ironic i was in Wyoming this last week and actually got, I don't know if the term is stung by a, a cactus or a cacti, but Dude, I stepped on one and they are stuck pain. by a cacti. Yeah. Stuck. Yeah. It is painful. That's for sure. <laughs> I have experienced it. I stepped on one on my honeymoon and it um, was traumatizing, but it did not diminish my love for them at all. Very nice. Very nice. Well, cool. Well, well starting out, you said you grew up in Georgia. Um, what part of Georgia? And then did you kind of grew up in the Atlanta area or high school years. What was that like your childhood? Um, any siblings or uh, parents? Or Yeah, I um, definitely have parents. That's how I got here. Um, they're great. Have both of them still around. Um, they've got a wonderful marriage. They've been a wonderful example to me my whole life. Very thankful for them. I have one brother. His name is Cody. Um, and he is a risk taker. Like, He's three years younger. Most people, especially if you're familiar with Passion City, probably are aware of who he is. Um, he's a modeling, acting. He's he's wild, opposite of me, but I love him dearly. And then let's see, 
was born, I guess, I think I was born in Dunwoody, Georgia. I don't really remember much of that part, but I uh, grew up predominantly in Paulding County. So we moved out there from East Cobb when I was about seven, grew up in the, um, grew up going to private school. And then in fifth grade, went to a public school out in Paulding County. If you don't know where Paulding County is, it's out towards Alabama in the middle of nowhere. Um, and then from there, went one year at a middle school out there, public school, and got bullied pretty bad <laughs> and came home crying, told my mom I wanted to be homeschooled because that always makes things better and you get less bullied when you're homeschooled. So I uh, was homeschooled seventh through ninth grade and then finished out in private school, 10th through 12th at a school called Dominion Christian. It's right behind Harrison High School in West Cobb, Cobb County, Georgia. So it's kind of where I've been, been local most of my life. Yeah, been all around the city. So that, that's awesome. Um, you said one brother, you said Cody is his name. Cody, the infamous Cody. A little bit younger. Did you guys get along growing up or? You oh, um, so I'd say... I was super excited when he was born. So I actually remember when he was born, I gave him a gift, a newborn gift, which I don't, I think that was more my mom making me give him a gift of welcoming him to the earth. But it was a Arthur doll and his little sister. Um, oh goodness. DW, right? DW. Yes. DW. I'm an so, unashamed Arthur fan. I haven't watched oh, it forever, but that was dude. what I grew up on. Yes, same. So Arthur and DW, that was my welcoming to earth gift for him. Um, and we were pretty close growing up. He did torture me some, but I think that's the role of a little, little brother. And then around middle school, my middle school years, I turned evil. I was an evil brat, very hormonal, very much so preteen girl, did not understand all the new emotions inside of me. And I really, I mean, looking back, I took it out on him. And then through high school, we were just kind of like siblings, you know, like we were related. We lived in the same house, loved him, weren't exceptionally close until I went to college and then um, went my first two years of college away. And during those two years, I really missed him. And even today, like there's a the big portion of his high school life that I just wasn't around for. And I feel like I missed those years of my brother's life. Like I just, I didn't know him. And so when I transferred home, my junior year of college, it really just deepened our relationship. We actually have matching tattoos and I say matching loosely because I'm not a matching person. They are different, but the same. So like, I know people listening can't see, but I have this arrow on my forearm and it is actually a voice memo from him. So we recorded voice memos to each other and then uh, put them inside a sh the shaft of an arrow and his arrow is a little bit different, but we both have them on our right arms. And we have been best buds ever since. Oh, that's so sweet. That's, that's so cool. I, uh, yeah, I mean, pretty unique to matching tattoos for siblings. That's, that's really cool. And it sounds like really in college when you came or when you were away, was that when you really realized like you missed them and the whole deal with like the audio messages, did you guys communicate via text through audio messages? Is that how it started? Yeah. So really, I don't, you know, it's crazy. The audio messages weren't like around. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Apple hadn't invented they're, they're them. kind of on which, the newer side. I know. Yeah. Which is crazy to think about because I feel like they've just always been there, but we did FaceTime some, we did communicate through text, but it was more so I just remember my freshman year sitting in my dorm room, bored out of my mind. This was 2013. And I just was like, I was so used to him just coming in and bugging me. And I didn't realize that I was going to miss it. 
or I'd be bored or something would happen during the day. Like I get a, I played volleyball in college. So I get like a really sick up in practice and I want to tell him about it. Cause he was, he played sports too. And he just wasn't there. And then I really started noticing when I go home, I just craved, like I enjoyed being around him and he was growing up before my eyes and I was so proud of who he's becoming, but then I'd have to go back to school four hours away and like miss pieces. Like I would only get pieces from him or my parents or whenever I, we had time to talk on the phone. So yeah, college really is what set it in for me. It made me value our relationship so much more. That's awesome. It's kind of through that journey. You don't really know what you got till it's gone. Like once he's gone or you're gone away, you realize like, okay, I kind of miss the, him being a pastor coming in my room or, you know, just the banter, all of that. Yeah, absolutely. And he, that is his strong suit. He loves being the instigator. Like any, any, any family gathering, he's just sitting there like, Hmm, how can I instigate things? It's great. Yeah, definitely. Well, I'd like to, I mean, we'll, we'll touch on college for sure. Your, your time playing volleyball and all that, but something you said more in the beginning as well. Um, being bullied, it sounds like a little bit in middle school, um, going through all that switching and being homeschooled for a little bit of a while. What, uh, what would you say that kind of that whole season, those couple of years, how does, has that played into your story now of, of who you are um, as an adult? Oh, yeah. So um, in middle school, it really plays into my faith a lot. So in middle school, I developed a really severe case of OCD. Um, and when I say OCD, like I was a germ freak. Um, I guess more so a germaphobe rather than OCD, but I also had to like, everything had to be in order. If it wasn't in order, I freaked out. And then like, I remember being scared to try on clothes because I didn't know who had put them on before me. And like, I was just terrified of germs. And I don't really know where that was stemming from other than it being a spiritual battle. Um, I had begun understanding like the spiritual world and, and battle and like the supernatural side of faith with um, Satan and the spiritual battles that go on throughout life. And I remember this was also the time like middle school and any girls listening would probably attest to this. Middle school is a really tough time for girls. Um, And depending on you and your mom and your relationship, it can also be a very tough time for girls and their moms because it's like emotions overload. So my, my dad and I are a lot alike. My brother and my mom are a lot alike. And during that time, I did not feel like my mom understood me very well. And I know for a fact now that she did not understand me very well. And so we had talked about it. And so we just would butt heads all the time and fight. And I remember being in sixth or seventh, sixth or seventh grade, the first time I ever had started having suicidal thoughts. And so um, I was battling those for a while, didn't tell my parents. And it got to the point where I was just so scared when they would go to the grocery store, cause I had like thought out stuff that when they returned, I wouldn't be there. And, um, eventually I opened up to them one night and we prayed through and it was great. And it was the first time I got to see, like, I have a support system at home. Like I was blessed with great parents, a great support system. And like God had placed in my life, the framework for people to get me through those times. Um, so through through them and through their help, they, they helped get me through that season. Um, and then, oh gosh, homeschooled. That was a pretty, I mean, it was part of a co-op group. So I had some friends and socialization, but that's where my love of volleyball developed. That was the first time I played volleyball and that kind of became my identity for a while. Um, and then I don't know, do you want me to go into high school or we want to 
want to keep it at middle school for a little bit. That was going to be my kind of follow-up question with, with homeschool, were you homeschooled like all throughout high school, um, those four years. And I guess a follow-up question with that, how did you make friends or community? Was it through volleyball or how'd you get plugged in with that? Yeah. So I was, um, I've always been a pretty social kid. So the homeschool group, it was a co-op group. I had other kids in my class, basically how it worked. It's kind of similar to college. Actually. I went three days a week. Um, I picked my classes, went three days a week. And then the other two days I was at home doing my work and I was an overachiever as a child still kind of am. I'm recovering. I say sometimes cause I learned to place boundaries on myself, but I, uh, would get all my work done on like a Monday night. So I'd have the rest of the week free and it was great. So, um, I had a lot of time for friends, a lot of time to, to make new relationships, developed a lot through sports. So club teams, extracurricular activities. I was a softball player before I played volleyball. So a lot of my relationships and friendships came through that. And then I was homeschooled through my freshman year. And then my sophomore year is when I went to Dominion, which is a private Christian school. And we made that move somewhat for more people in the class to be more social, but also to, um, homeschool sports are great, but I wanted to play in college and it was to give me a better chance at achieving that goal. Awesome. Awesome. I have noticed, it seems like a theme, at least from, uh, just you talking here for 15 minutes, whatever it's been of like, it seems like obviously with your brother, when you went off to college, um, and, and not being able to see him, be around him of kind of some dark and lonely times, maybe as well as uh, those middle school times when you were being bullied, had those suicidal thoughts, like through those hard times, through those uncomfortable times, it's really, it sounds like when you've grown close with your family and it wasn't through just all those joyous moments when we're going to the beach or, you know, family vacations, it's through some really emotional and strong and heavy moments in your life. And that's, that's pretty unique and, and pretty cool in some ways. Yeah, absolutely. Family has been a backbone for me. And um, they've been, I mean, even throughout high school, and I'll get into this when we talk, but I, I was, I used to cut. So I, I was self-harmed in high school and through college. Um, and so they were with me through that. And then even like some of that stemmed from volleyball, having coaches that were just crushing, soul crushing. And um I remember in those times where I was literally at my lowest and defeated and just ready to throw in a towel and give up my dad coming in and just pushing me, pushing me to be better in the most encouraging way. He wasn't like, Oh, you're making this up or anything like that. He would validate my feelings, but also be like, are you going to let this take control of you? And are you going to give into this? Or are you going to rise up and trust that God's empowered you with more than you could ever know? and lean into that and lean into him and trust him and, and learn through this process and grow. And I think so many times people think of growing as an easy thing and growing is not an easy thing. Growing is a very hard process. It takes a lot of pain. It takes a lot of uncomfortable moments to grow, but that is the beauty in growth. And I think being blessed with the family unit that encouraged that helped me so much and helped me get to where I'm at today. That's awesome. That's awesome. Um, and pretty cool from the, from the standpoint as well as just growing up kind of, were you grow, did you grow up in a Christian household as well? Or like, I did. Okay. I did. So some of my favorite memories and my husband and I've actually talked about this. So I, I didn't grow up in a family that went to church every Sunday, yeah. which I know is a little odd for most Christian families more. So we were trying to find a church home, but my favorite memories were us turning on the TV, catching a sermon and my dad 
highlighting the scripture that was talked about and then reading it after with us and asking us like, what does this mean to you? And like, how do you read this? And then going in from a scripture perspective, talking about it. And the man is super wise, super, um, has read lots of books on theology and stuff. His brain is amazing. And so sometimes he, he would even like have a lesson that he would read scripture and have a lesson off of it. And then we would sit and talk about it as a family and how we apply it. And those are some of my favorite Sunday mornings because it was in the home. It was applicable. It was real life. And it came from someone that I looked up to, admired and trusted. And I could see acting it out on a daily basis. And that made such a huge impact on me. Yeah. Yeah. It sounds like he's a man that kind of walks what he talks in, in a lot of ways. Absolutely. So talking and then going and uh, doing something else. He's actually walking with it throughout the week. And um, that's, that's really cool to see. And I, I think with your point as well as like in those points of crisis is where you, you know, you find really what truly matters um, and what you truly believe. It's, it's not through the, the joyous moments sometimes it's through those points in crisis. Um, and for you and your, your case, it sounds like that trust and that faith and, and God and deepening your relationship with them. Yeah, absolutely. Taught me, it really taught me to dig in and know like, what do I believe? And like, learn, I learned to make this faith and my faith, my own. It's not what my parents taught me, even though yes, that influences, it's not what I've heard in church, even though yes, that clearly influences it's what is this to me? What is my relationship with the Lord and Jesus and how has he influenced me and helped me along? And where have I seen him in my life? And that I think for anybody is what makes it your story, right? Like that is, that is where he he delivered me from so much. And that is my relationship with him and my story. And that may be similar to other people's stories or it may not, but that's the beauty of a relationship with Christ. It's intimate and it's not cookie cutter and it's not all the same. And I think that is amazing. That's really, really cool. And, uh, awesome. Awesome. Up to this point. I mean, we're, we're, I don't know, 20 minutes in and, and just hearing that part of your story <laughs> transitioning. I am curious, switching topics over to, um, let's say volleyball, for, for example, did you, when did you realize you like love volleyball as you grew up playing it or uh, where did that stem from? So crazy enough, I have very early memories of volleyball. So my dad grew up in Miami, he played um, and in college, him and his buddy had a house over in Smyrna, actually off of Atlanta road. And it had a volleyball court in the back and they used to throw some ragers from what I've been told. And, um, <laughs> but they would always play volleyball. And as a kid, so a lot of those, once, you know, you transition to life, you go from college friends to getting married and having children and hanging out your parties are a little different, but the families would all get together. And I have very young memories of me sitting on a lifeguard stand over a volleyball court, watching them play. I had no interest in it at the time. I was like five years old, right? But all through my life, like I knew my dad loved volleyball. Well, I played softball one time, one season, we couldn't do travel ball or something. So they're like, hey, you can pick a sport at the school. Can't do softball this year. And I said, cool, I'll do volleyball. Help me keep in shape for softball. Actually, that's not what I said. I said, I do cross country. And uh, <laughs> part of the reason my brother and I didn't get along, he's more athletic than me. So as a fourth grader, he finished, we did a practice. They said, we're going to start out slow, four miles. I don't think I'd ever run four miles in my life. And so my mom left my brother. She had to run errands. She was like, Hey, stay with your brother. Watch out for him. My brother stayed with me for maybe two tenths of a mile and then took off. I didn't finish the practice and him as a nine-year-old, I was in eighth grade. He was like nine or 10. He finished with the top three runners in the school. And the cross-country coach was like, man, 
I wish we could have you on the team. And I was like, that's it. I'm not doing it. So I kind of spun volleyball a little bit to try to manipulate my dad, to be honest. I was like, hey, you know, it's the first week of school. What if I transition over into volleyball? He was like, well, you've already started cross country. So if they let you, sure. But if not, you're sticking it out. And I was like, oh gosh, I prayed so hard that night. I was like, please God, let them let me switch. I don't think they wanted me on cross country anyway. So I switched over and just instantly fell in love. And I really don't know what it was. We, so my first year playing, we practiced on a carpet floor. Um, We wore basketball uniforms. I wouldn't say that I got good. I mean, it was just very, very basic level coaching, which is fine. Um, Had lots of rug burns because I had no fear of diving. And I definitely broke ceiling tiles trying to serve a ball. And it was rough, but just something about the sport. It just, you know, when you're passionate about something and you step into an area where you feel comfortable and you just feel your soul come alive. It's how I feel when I'm around cacti also how I feel when I'm on a volleyball court like just something inside me comes alive and ignites and I just feel purpose and that is what I felt every time I stepped on a court and there was no explaining it there was no I just couldn't wait to get back out there and learn and uh it was hard I mean I had some really I I was a very raw athlete I'm athletic but I had to work very hard it did not come easy for me and we didn't have a bunch of money growing up to funnel into the high level clubs and play a lot of club ball. So a lot of mine was self-taught. My dad obviously played a role since he had played. Um, and that transitions over into beach later on. So I started out playing indoor, but I, uh, yeah, I mean, I had some coaches be very demeaning and tell me I would never achieve my goals, but that filters into my passion for coaching today. And I think that I've seen such a redemptive story through the sport for my own sake and it's taught me so much and I just I will forever love it and will forever be a part of me yeah hey you don't know how to be a good coach if you've never had bad ones right right yeah I part of the reason I got into coaching is I did not want girls to have what I experienced and um yeah I wanted to be the opposite for them (laughs) wanted them to enjoy life absolutely and so you said you trained hard growing up and um obviously worked really hard and uh, maybe didn't have like always the best coaches or like the best teams that you could necessarily afford for, but you definitely, it sounds like got a volleyball scholarship for college or played in college. Was, was that like a full ride or was it more of a walk-on opportunity or? So it was a walk-on opportunity with the university of South Carolina. Um, And I'll back up a little bit with that. So my freshman year of high school, my dad on the way to a tournament, I remember we were going to the Georgia world Congress center for big South. And, um, it's a huge volleyball tournament and he was running. He's a, he's a Georgia tech grad. He's a numbers guy. I'm not that way, but he was running numbers for me. He'd pulled up like the amount of high school athletes in the U S that played volleyball and the amount of high school athletes that made it to division one college. And I think it was like one to 2% of all high school athletes made it to division one college team and he looked at me and he then he broke it down to like actual numbers and he said I say all this to say I support your dreams and goals but I want you to be realistic and if you're going to work hard and train for it I'll support you all the way and I'll pay for you to be on club teams and stuff whenever we can and like I'll support you basically he said but if this is just a hobby for you and you don't actually have the work ethic to to work towards that then I'm not paying for it and I remember looking him dead in the face and saying I'm going to work for it. And he said, are you sure? And I said, 
a hundred percent. I will do whatever it takes. He said, okay, cool. That's all I need to know. He goes, and at the end of the day, if you don't, okay, but at least you did everything you could. And that kind of laid the groundwork for my high school years. And so worked hard. I went to practice. I go lift weights after the fact. And I was just always volleyball, volleyball, volleyball. And then my senior year of high school, beach kind of became a thing here in Georgia. And I made the switch over instantly was more natural at it because of the way my dad had taught me. It's two different sports really. And, um, fell in love with beach because it's not, so I was traumatized by some indoor coaches and a lot of people seem to be at a young age. And what I liked about beach is it's not actively coached. So for me an indoor for people who are not familiar with volleyball, I'm the person who just stays in the back row and passes. And that is my sole job. I don't hit, I don't block. I would just pass the ball. And that's a very stressful job because that starts every single playoff. And if it's not perfect, you screw it up for everybody else. So, you know, a lot of DSs and liberos or libros, depending on how you say it, they get really tense and scared because they're the quickest to get pulled sometimes. Beach, you're in it for the whole set. And like you, it's just two of you, it's doubles. The coach can't yell at you or actively coach you. There's no pulling you. There's no playing time. You were in it. And you have to figure it out and communicate and grow as an athlete and grow as a partner and learn people. So I transitioned over in that, fell in love with it. Long story short, the University of South Carolina had just added an NCAA program that year. It was going to start the following year, my freshman year. Took a trip up there. They offered me a walk-on position. They'd already offered out all their scholarship money at the time. And so I accepted and started there in the fall of 2013 as a freshman um, playing Division One Beach. I was one of two freshmen on the inaugural team. Hey, congratulations. And Thank you. Thank go, you. Go Gamecocks. I know uh, I've never actually been to South Carolina, but I've heard great, beautiful things about the campus and, and the university as a whole. So it sounds like you were only there a couple years, too. You, you didn't stay all four years. So, so I ended up. Yeah, I ended up transferring out my, so at the end of my sophomore year, I made the decision to transfer. A lot of prayer went into that. And at the time, Kennesaw State was supposed to be adding a beach program. And I was like, oh, how, how cool. Like I'd be a junior starting up another beach program in my hometown. And um, so I transferred. And then that was the year they merged with Southern Poly and added football. And so due to Title IX, they no longer needed a women's sport because I guess the other side of title nine is student population ratio and Southern Poly brought the women to men ratio 50, 50. So I ended up walking on the indoor team for Kennesaw and I was a DS, a defense specialist there. And I gained a year of eligibility. So I was there for three seasons. Um, the last season I was there, we actually won the conference championship for the second year in the row and also uh, solidified a spot to the NCAA tournament for the first time in school history. Awesome. So it was a pretty, pretty cool season, a pretty cool way to go out. And Keith Schunzel, the coach there, is phenomenal. I learned a lot from him. Um, yeah. Very, very grateful I played under his leadership and in his program. Yeah. What, uh, was that your favorite moment probably at Kennesaw State, those, that, that run right there at the end? Um, so ironically, no. Okay. Um, because I myself, so that was a super cool moment. And I will forever, I will always like live that up in my mind. I was in a very dark season of life at the time. So unfortunately, I don't think for me personally, that time has kind of got conflicting feelings with it. 
Um, but my favorite time there was probably, so when I first came in, I could not pass. Like, like I said, indoor and beach are very different. I was this hippie beach kid, listened to reggae before matches, like did not fit with the team. The spring of 2016 would have been the spring of my first season there. Rough first, the fall season was rough. And in spring, I had a meeting with him basically saying like, Hey, y'all don't really need me. If I can't get along with the team or mesh with them, then I'm just going to go ahead and like depart and train beach only. And I remember him saying, well, we hope that changes and there's a spot for you. And we we're glad you're on this team. And honestly, I saw God work wonders that spring season, like a indoor became easier for me. B the relationships I grew with my teammates during that season were phenomenal. In fact, a bunch of them started coming. I was going to passion at the time. We, a bunch of us started going to passion together and we just grew so tight as a team and a unit that that next season, even though we didn't win the entire championship and go to the NCAA tournament, we won conference, but not the championship. That was probably my favorite season there just because of how tight and unified the team was. And we were a family, like we had each other's back. And like, I knew that those were my sisters and we were just one goal, one vision and going for it. So that was my favorite time. Awesome. That's awesome. That, that's great. And then kind of one of my last questions is I know we're, we're, we're wrapping up on time a little bit here. I would love to know, I guess, more what you're doing now or that life after college with the volleyball um, too. I know, know you're a coach now, coach volleyball. Um, yeah. So I'm doing quite a few things. Um, so I went to school for journalism, worked in radio for a little bit. It was my dream job. I worked there for about three years, actually made the decision this past year in December to leave. Um, developed a passion for total body health and holistic health. I had a bunch of digestive issues through college. Um, some diagnoses I received that I just wasn't standing in agreement with. Took me some time, but I found a holistic doctor that helped me fix them. Okay. Dove into traditional Chinese medicine and um, went back to school, got health coaching certifications, opened a business with my best friend called Primitive Foundations. And we released the online course on total body health and holistic health. Um, and I can give you all that for later on. I won't spend too much time on it. Well, I'm curious because I don't know, maybe some of the audience doesn't know, like what all is incorporated with holistic health. Yeah, definitely. So holistic health, one of our taglines is uh, freedom over restriction. So most of the time when people think of healthy eating, they think of dieting and restricting and, oh, I can't have this and I can't have that. It really is about living. <laughs> like God created us to live. He created us to live fully and joyfully and be revived in and restored. And so holistic health helps restore the body. It helps, it takes into account that everything is connected. It goes back to the basics and biological design of how God made us and how to feed and nourish our bodies in that way. And so a lot of what we cover is like sourcing. So making sure like food is organic. We discuss the importance of fats and carbs and proteins and how to utilize those to benefit the body. Um, we talk about processed foods versus unprocessed foods and why it's harder for the body to digest processed fake foods like fast foods and stuff like that. And inflammatory oils like canola or peanut or sunflower oil, everything that's so mainstream now that really does the body so much harm that isn't discussed and talked about and how just making simple lifestyle shifts, like simple food switches can really lead to a life of vitality. And in some cases, maybe help regress some symptoms or diagnoses you received. Um, so that's really what holistic health is. 
Awesome. Well, that's that's really cool. I have heard of holistic health before, but do not know much detail about it. So do you guys actually have like a physical store? Is it done like all online or? So we're all online. Um, we actually, so primitivefoundationsllc.com is our website for anyone that wants to check it out. It out. And <laughs> yeah, and what we did, so we are certified health coaches. We can take on clients, but we decided that, you know, everyone's busy. So we compiled all the information we learned ourselves, myself through seeing a functional medicine doctor, nutritionist, and her um, through her. So hers is a fertility story. Her and her husband were struggling with fertility. And then after making changes, they ended up getting pregnant naturally. She's now in her third trimester. Um, and so we took everything we learned, compiled it down into a course that is go at your own rate, go at your own pace, and you have lifetime access to it. Um, and that is sitting at about $99 and that's a one-time fee. And then for $10 a month, you get access to a private Facebook group where we moderate and answer questions and post articles and it builds a community of people on this similar journey. And then you also get a health coaching session each month for us to help guide and recommend and be there for you along this journey as you're figuring everything out as well. So there's a lot involved, it sounds like. There is. And then, yeah, to build on that, she's going to go into women's health and fertility health. And then I'm actually, this comes into the coaching side of things. I have a passion for injury prevention in the youth. I've seen way too many surgeries and injuries at such a young age in athletics. And I realize a lot of that is due to poor mobility and form. So I'm back in school getting my certifications as a mobility specialist and as a fitness coach. And I'm designing a beta program and um, workout programming to help athletes in the sense of mobilizing certain areas of the body and correcting little form changes to help prevent injury in the long run. Mm -hmm. And that kind of plays into what I'm doing now, coaching with beach volleyball. That is really cool. And one of my questions I always like write out before every podcast is like, what are you most passionate about? I feel like you definitely answered that. But another question come to mind as you were given the answer is you said you majored in journalism, got your dream job as a radio host. Um, how long were you like in radio? And then did you just kind of not like it? Or was it just this dream of yours? This is something you're even more passionate about that you're like, okay, I'm just going to break away from this and go start my own holistic therapy and, and go down that route. Yeah. So um, the dream to be in radio honestly came from, I love music. Uh, my freshman year at South Carolina, I was interviewed by uh, one of the campus hosts there and he I just fell in love with the station like it was old it, it didn't look like they've been updated since the 80s there were like newspaper clippings and I just thought it was so cool and so I was listening to the radio one day when I was at Kennesaw and I remember thinking like I could do that and I realized like that was literally what my major like it was in that umbrella so I kind of made that shift I was like oh I want to be around music I want to I want to go into radio and that wasn't my first job, but an opportunity came along uh, about a year after I graduated, I accepted and I was actually social media and promotions. So I ran the social media and uh, the promotions and events and then got to be on a morning show. Um, so I wasn't the main host, but they called me the third banana. And um, I got to do some voiceover work as well in commercials. And I honestly, I loved it. Um, the pandemic did change radio a little bit in some ways for the better, but in some ways it kind of took for me, some of that specialness out of being at the station every day and like being in that community of people. But it also just kind of hit me as I was going through my own health journey. And as I started seeing like symptoms and diagnoses that I had received, that I told would never be cured. 
reversed themselves. And I started feeling alive again and feeling like myself and saw life restored in me. It developed this passion of like, I've got to get this information out there and I want others to experience this. And I remember feeling like I was good at my job, but it wasn't my passion. It wasn't what I wanted to do for the next 50 years. And I didn't feel alive doing it. And that's a very big thing for me. I'm very free spirited. And if I get bored or don't feel alive, I get antsy. And like, I just, I get really like, I don't even know how to put it. I just, I'm not happy. Like I, I want to drop everything and travel kind of a thing. And I realized that was coming from a place of unfulfillment and because I wasn't fulfilling the purpose I felt God had called me to. And so I've always been fascinated by the body. My mom was a radiologist. So I remember looking through her books as a kid and just being fascinated by that and the muscular system. And so that coupled with everything I was learning on my journey really just kind of put the final like went full circle with something I think I always had been passionate about um, and just made it come alive for me. That is really cool. Um, and just hearing your whole story from start to finish, um, just talking about your faith, for example, and and how God saved you from a lot. And, and the fact that you have found your purpose and you're, you're alive and sharing your purpose every single day, like that's what God does. You know, he saves you for a purpose. He didn't save you um, or anyone just to kick up their feet and take life easy. Um, he didn't save, you know, save you just to soak in your sorrows or, um, you know, just go about living life. You, you have your purpose. He gives everyone a purpose and you've, you've identified it and you're, you're living it out now, uh, which is truly incredible. Thank you. Thank you so much. Absolutely. And um, I guess wrapping up, um, really just a couple of questions still on my mind before we wrap up the whole show. I, I am still very curious, like when did the love for cacti begin or where that started? Or <laughs> uh, if you want to talk on that. And then if you have any plans, I guess, to move to the coast and, and perform that uh, life of, of surfing or, or taking that on. Um, so the love of cacti. So my grandparents had a home in Florida. They're now up here, but for all probably 26 years of my life, the first 26 years of my life, they lived in Florida and they had these cacti that were out in front of their house. And I was so intrigued as a kid, like this is such an absurd plant. When you look at it, it doesn't make sense. It is green True. in a weird shape. And it's got these little spindly, like pokey things coming off and you don't have to water it. Like it's green and it doesn't need water. That is just defying all logic to me. And I just, I thought, I just, I don't know. I was so fascinated by these little things. And then I love the desert. So that's another place where like, I feel my soul literally come alive. I just love the desert. Couldn't tell you why terrified of scorpions don't love all the desert things but I do love the desert and I think the more I started learning and I'm a research fiend so like I love researching the more I started researching cacti the more I was just amazed at this plant like it doesn't need much water it serves a huge purpose in the desert and then it blooms flowers in the harshest conditions and I think in my mind I was just like that's like what God does like he takes people who are in these rough places and especially for me and my story and like going through suicidal thoughts and, and struggling with self-harm for like eight years and, and having scars to this day that aren't pretty and, and just watching and seeing like, even in those hurt marks and even in those physical marks of pain, flowers bloom. Like, it's such a beautiful thing. I've been able to talk to girls through my coaching because I've noticed things and like, 
so many lives able to be restored through brokenness. And like, I'm like out of this little spindly plant with pokies is a flower and it blossoms and blooms. And I think that's really where the love of them started. And then I also just the fact that it's so absurd, like fuels it even more. Um, And then they ask your question about the coast. So I would love to move to the coast and I am constantly looking for ways. Like when my husband and I met, I was actually looking for a van and I was going to van life it until I realized everybody and their mother, well, probably not their mother, but everyone was like, oh, van life. And I was like, never mind. I don't want to do it. Um, but we've talked about it. I don't really want to go to Florida. I've been trying to go to Arizona. Um, but that's also very expensive. So long story short, I'm not sure. Um, Hawaii has been talked about the coast has been talked about, but also really spending some time in prayer and feeling God telling us to stay put here in Georgia and grow in some roots. And I realized like, I want to have a garden. (laughs) So like, I want to grow my own produce. I want to find a um, farm that does grass fed cows and literally like buy a cow, which is crazy. I feel like I'm going back a hundred years in time here, but um, I realized like what better place than Georgia? It's got everything. Like I can drive to the coast if I want. There's a little mini Grand Canyon down in South Georgia if I want to go visit it. The mountains are beautiful. It's luscious. It's green. There's rivers. There's lakes. Like everything I need is here. So we may just end up staying here, honestly. Just, just continuing to, to pray and act in faith. Uh, yeah. George is a great place to start your career for sure. If there's any, when listening that is thinking of moving or uh, is wanting to move and looking for places, Atlanta is a great city. I'm sure Morgan can agree. And you are close to a lot of things. Florida, yeah. um, like Tennessee, Alabama, South Carolina, like all up throughout Charleston. And then even like I've, I've driven up to DC before. Um, and yeah, it's not bad at all. Texas is even doable. So there's, there's states all surrounding and it is nice just uh, being close to a lot of different areas. So I, I understand where you're coming from and you're actually the kind of crazy. This is the third or fourth person in probably the last month that just started or wants to start uh, a garden. So I guess that's maybe a trend for 2022 or, you know, know, I'm all for it. People should start gardens, like make everything. I don't even know sustainable again. I don't know. Like I just, everything, when I go to the store and a pepper an organic pepper, mind you is four bucks. I'm like, what, what? why is my pepper $4? I'm gonna grow my own pepper. And that's, that's where my stance is on it. These are the right questions. These are the questions we need to be asking. <laughs> yes, definitely. Well, Morgan, it's been such a, a blessing and an honor. Um, you coming on the podcast in this episode and sharing your story. Um, it's been amazing and, and really enjoyed hearing um, all of it. And I know the audience and uh, everyone will agree with me for sure. And uh, wrapping up two questions. I love to ask every episode um and we'll end with this i'll hit you with them back to back uh first one being what is your all-time favorite movie and then secondly what is one thing in your life that you're most grateful for or very grateful for Ooh, okay first so unpopular opinion i know but i am so i love movies don't get me wrong i was also a sheltered child so i didn't get to experience a lot of movies that most people did Um, so I'm still catching up there. I don't have a favorite movie. I can't pick one, but I do have a favorite book. And so my favorite book is called the inner game of tennis. Um, it is a new favorite of mine. And basically the reason I love this book is a tennis pro wrote it. And he talks about the mental state 
of the game. And that translates over so beautifully into all areas, I think. So he talks about, and I won't get into the weeds of the book here, but basically self-talk and mental state and like, how are we talking to ourselves? And it hit me like the way I talked to myself when I played is not the way I talked, would talk to a friend or a teammate or a partner or a person I was coaching. So I was like, why was I being so harsh on myself? And it completely changed my view on not only myself and operating and even just like the way I talk to myself in daily life, but the way I coached people and the way I like, it made me a better wife. It made me a better teammate. It made me a better coach and just all the way around. And I think that is why I love that book so much because it's a little tiny book, but so much knowledge that is just able to be transversed into daily life. Um, And then second question, second question. What was the second question? Uh, what is one thing you're most grateful for? Most grateful for. Okay. This is a three-part question. So most grateful for, honestly, so relationship with my husband, he found me in a very low, dark time. Um, and I saw the redemptive power of Christ through him because long story short, met him, literally ran the opposite way, told him no for an entire year when he pursued, told him that we weren't like he wasn't my type, that he better move on, wasn't happening, didn't see it happening. And he was like, all right, good luck trying to find someone better than me. And like, who's going to treat you to say that? He said, someone who will treat you better than I will treat you. And I was like, bet I will. So I tried and then it hit me. I was like, what am I doing? And he really through that time, like seeing him take a step back, be what I needed, which was a friend, accept me where I was at and all my brokenness. And then when I did, I was in a lot of counseling. When I came back around, it kind of was like, hey, (laughs) not being the egotistical of like, oh, now you want me, but that like, oh, it was a hard season, but I prayed and God told me to just keep waiting, keep waiting, keep waiting. And like, I knew it was you. And to me, that was a pure picture of grace. And like, it's everything I needed to mend in my story, especially in relationships, help mend the brokenness that I saw in them. Um, so there's that, my parents and my family, obviously that was a big running theme throughout the beginning of this podcast with so them. And then on, like, obviously Christ, like I would be nowhere without him. So I'm not, not to say last is the least by any means, obviously he's first and foremost, but to sum it all up, those are probably the three most thankful thing, things I'm most thankful for. The great trio, husband, family, and Christ. L- yeah. Lots to be grateful for, for sure. Probably should be Christ, husband, family, but people get the point. <laughs> we get the point. We, we understand. We've, we've heard the whole story, so we, we know Christ. Yeah. So and I could probably go on and, and ask you a lot more questions about your family and, and husband and everything, uh, but maybe, maybe another time, another podcast. Or, yeah, yeah, maybe uh, another episode. Yeah, exactly. Part, <laughs> Part two, I tell everyone that's come on, I'm like, we'll have to do some part twos for some of these because yeah. hey, I'm down good stuff, but like, you know, it's t- time limits, um, you know, is, is getting up there. But thank you so much for coming on, Morgan. Do you have any uh, social media or um, maybe shout out your business again or, or any, and it's your time to really just shout out anything that you want to say or final thoughts? Yeah. Um, shout out to you. Shout out to Kaylee McClure for setting this up. Um, but also so my social, my Instagram is at more, this is a long one at Morgan Lavigny Hill. So my main name's Levine. It's M O R G A N 
L-A-H-V-I-G-N-E-E-H-I-L-L. Um, but it's about to change. So I'm about to change it to Mobility by Morgan um, in the next probably month or so. I already have the handle secured, just haven't made the switch yet. But Morgan Hill is my name if you just want to search. It's a little easier. Um, and then the business is Primitive Foundations LLC. If you Google it, it should pop up. And then it's all on my Instagram handle as well. Let's go. Mobility by Morgan. I, I love that. I feel like if you ever go back into radio, that could be like a radio talk show yeah. or something. <laughs> like, a, like a little segment. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Mobility by Morgan. That's, that's good. Yeah, but, yeah. Um, appreciate you, Morgan, for coming on. Thank you so much. Um, this is a great episode, great podcast. I'm excited uh, for the audience to hear it. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me on. Absolutely. Well, there you have it, folks. That was Morgan Hill, and that was her story. That was one, if not the most inspirational episodes to date. So many good takeaways, so many just good highlights as well. The full circle story, I think, is what stood out to me of restoration, how she was found with brokenness at a young age, suicidal thoughts, being bullied, and how Morgan just overcame that and found faith, found hope, found light at the end of the tunnel. It's encouraging to me and really, really inspiring, and I hope it inspired you guys today and to anyone that's battling suicidal thoughts, maybe battling depression, battling hopelessness, or maybe being bullied as well. I hope you guys take to heart Morgan's story and remember it and just know that there is light at the end of the tunnel. There is hope, there is faith, and just remember of where she is now restored and just the full circle too of, of having some tough and, and very difficult volleyball coaches to the fact now that she is a volleyball coach herself and just being a light to the people she coaches it's just truly a full circle, inspiring, uplifting, and just incredible, remarkable story. Thank you guys so much for tuning in today. If you did like this podcast, we'll be back next Thursday with a brand new episode. This one is a total and complete madness, insane episode and just story. And I'm excited for you guys to hear it next Thursday. We'll be dropping it. Go give us a review on Spotify. Leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Instagram at What's Your Story 2022. We'll be back though next Thursday. And until next time, remember you matter, your story matters. So go share it with someone this week. And until next time, this has been What's Your Story.